find their illogic and foolish emotions constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! Belong in the circus, right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit. Ah! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And now, together by live simulation via the internet. Scott Gardner. He's an asshole. And Chris Honeywell. Boy, is he strange. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Yes. Welcome to Dissecting the Dead. Um, this is th- the first Two True Freak show uh, dedicated to uh, the Walking Dead TV show. So I brought some uh, guests on board uh, for this one. I've I've got um, another podcaster and two just guys who love the Walking Dead. And uh, for just guys, we've got Drake Patton all the way across the sea, the ocean. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Now, you, um, just uh, you, you're a regular guy, but I've got the Walking Dead connection here. As you just recently for um, Dragon Con came to America for the first time. Yeah. And you were right down in Walking States. Dead Ground Zero. Yeah. Oh, trust me, watching The Walking Dead, like um, on TV. Like I watched it today, actually, the third episode, and just seeing, I mean, the rooftop scene with the guy um, on the roof and uh, the like, skyline of Atlanta yeah at the whole sur- uh, surroundings uh, I've like been there it's kind of weird like just seeing everything yeah. I was there like a couple of months ago mm-hmm. I was wa- cool. walking down that same street with Scott that Rick comes you know with the tank and the horse and all that that yeah. whole little area there um, yeah it's really weird yeah it's so, pretty surreal so there's a, there's a Walking Dead connection with you. Um, I don't have a good connection for Walking Dead for Chris Johnson. I don't know what to say about you, man. <laughs> uh, let me think. Let me think. Um, no. I think I might have had a drink with Buster the Zombie once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's all I can think of. And we have also from... Uh, here's, where, here's where we get our gravitas from... <laughs> From uh, all, there's a, there's a whole now uh, there's a little story here because there's a whole bunch of uh, um, Walking Dead podcasts that have sort of sprung up and I've been dying to listen to them but I've wanted to do this podcast and I haven't wanted to hear what other people say so I don't want to you know accidentally copy anything so I've been waiting and waiting 
And now that there's three episodes, I figure it's a good point. It's halfway through the the season, and and I'll finally be able to get to listen to some of these uh, Walking Dead podcasts. And and I uh, we've got somebody from uh, Legion of Dudes and the the Walking Dead TV podcast. Is is that the one out of the? There's like five of them, isn't there? That is absolutely correct. Uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast is ours. Yes, it's it's Mister Mister Jim Dietz and. This the, and here's here's my fanboy moment because way, way back when way way back in 2008 when Scott and I started doing a podcast and Scott sort of wrangled me into it. Scott was a fan of a lot of podcasts and had been listening to him and and sort of wrangled me into making podcasts and I'd maybe heard a couple podcasts but not really nerd related podcasts and sort of knew about them. And we started doing our first few episodes, and I called up Scott and I said, "Look, you know, give me a list of some of the people that you've been listening to. I'd like to hear what world that <laughs> I'm entering into." And uh, right on the top of the list was um, Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes. So those were the first nerd podcasts I ever listened to. Was a whole bunch of Half Hour Wasted. And I think the first Legion of Dudes I heard was when you guys were doing an um, um, issue by issue of uh, The Watchmen before the movie came out. Right. That's how we got our start, actually. Uh, we're doing an issue by issue analysis of The Watchmen, which ended up cul- uh, culminating in an interview with Dave Gibbons, which is really cool. I mean, that was a fanboy moment for me, for sure. Well, at that but, point, uh, when it's I... It's very, very flattering that your introduction to podcasting was us. And know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flatter more, and as I thought you guys had been doing it for a while when I listened, I thought you guys were established, you know, established in podcast world at that point. And it was very helpful because I had just read Watchmen at that point because I knew I should read it if I was going to go see the movie. And uh, it was just, it was it was really good to... Like, be able to read it, digest it a little bit, and then have people who've been digesting it for years talk about it. That really helped a lot. And then, go, you know, going into the movie and seeing it. Well, thanks a lot, man. Uh, we, I really enjoyed doing it. It's one of my favorite uh, graphic novels of all time. Yeah, it was, it, it was very good. And it was one of those things where uh, I found... That was where I, I learned the magic of podcasting, you know, where you listen to one episode... And then you're you're winding it up, and you're like, well, hey, you know what? There's a second episode right there, and you pop it up, and then before you know it, four or five hours have gone by, and you're up way too late. And yeah, I got the podcasting to... uh, listening bug uh, because uh, I, I work in a kitchen all day, and I listen to podcasts while mm. I work. So mm. I have to fill up a lot of hours in the day with podcasts. So I end up listening to a lot, and that's how kind of I kind of uh, got the. Uh, the the bug to be in one and then now Ross and John and uh, and myself and you know kind of met on the forums and uh, decided to get a podcast of our own together and that's how it happened so <laughs> and now our latest project is the Walking Dead TV podcast because we we're really loving the show and uh, we're big fans of the comic as well so great ways to get it back to the Walking Dead yeah this 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 TV show is just like uh uh well i want to say a gift from the heavens but it's more like a gift from hell really you know and and <laughs> that sort of way and uh i wanted to sort of um i i i from from what i've like i've been reading a lot of the forum entries and stuff about about um you know of you guys talking about the podcast and talking about the shows and uh 
And I know Scott and I do, have been doing it when we've been doing our coverage of the comics is, you know, we don't spoil ahead on the comics. And, and I notice a lot of your shows are spoiler free. Well, this one, nothing's off limits. We can uh, spoil ahead in the comics. We can compare stuff in the comics to the books, stuff that may be down the line in the comics that may, or that may be happening in the TV show. Any, any, anything. So that ju- that's just a warning to anybody listening now. Is I'm, uh, I'm, and I'm, and I'll and I'll tell all you guys. Don't shy away from, from uh, saying anything. Just like the show, we're not going to pull any punches in our dissection of, of uh, the Walking Dead. That's awesome because with our podcast, like you said, we try to be spoiler free, and there's so many things. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's talk about, it's like know? walking on eggshells. I'm sure. It's just. Uh, it, it's understandable because I I've been listening to uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast, and I can understand because your show is kind of aiming it at both the people who are familiar with the comics, but also for people who are just coming into the show without any prior knowledge. Right. Right, and it's. I I mean I understand that totally because it's such a cool thing. I you don't want to ruin it for anybody. You want people to experience that, but I'm. Plus, I'm the just, TV show has been different enough from the comics that, I mean, some things that you know, we might spoil might not even happen. It might mm-hmm. happen in totally different ways. I mean, True. Already we have all these characters that weren't in the comics and all these different situations that weren't in the comics. I, ha- I, have, a th- I, I have a theory, but that, that's got to wait till uh, that, that's right along that lines, but that's going to wait till we get to episode three. But uh, I have a, a little um, future guess into the TV show. That that I that I want to make. That I. That's that strange. I, just, I got a theory about episode three as well, and I'm just wondering if it's the same. It, type it, of thing. it could very it could very well be. We'll find out in a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I've, you know, I'm one of those people. Like when I was younger, I would watch movies over and over again, read books over and over again. But I don't do it so much anymore. But I've watched every episode of this show like th- at least I've watched the first one probably like four times. Because I I cheated and downloaded it early, and watched it a couple times in, and I'd also cheated and downloaded the script and read that before, so I, I um, and I could watch them all again. <laughs> Every time I've watched them, I've been getting something new out of them, even on top of having read the comics multiple times, and that's really exciting. And that's a lot of that stuff is sort of what I want to look into more in this you know I mean we could talk about the the things we liked and didn't like and the things that they changed but um you know I don't I don't mind if we get right down to to hacking up every little little detail <laughs> uh, the first thing I got on my list here is is uh, the direction of episode one is just completely cinematic each time I've seen it it's it's completely feels like a movie. Um, not even a made-for-TV movie, or you know, a, a cinematic movie that you're watching on TV. To be honest, I got that feel from the book. I mean, the first trade or the first issue mm-hmm. kind of has the cinematic way to it. Mm-hmm. So basically, it just got translated into, <laughs> well, the TV series. Because the first episode was an hour and a half long, wasn't it? Yeah, it, well, yeah, like once with the commercials and, and, and everything. So yeah, it was it was fairly movie pretty much close getting close to movie length but there's um 
And I know the second episode wasn't directed by Darabont, but I don't think the third one was either. Was it? it was no, just they weren't. So- um, the first one was Darabont, and the other two were directed by television directors. Um, mm-hmm. I know the third episode was directed by, uh, I can't remember the person's name, but they directed uh, Breaking Bad, another AMC show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the director of the second episode had done a couple episodes of Mad Men, another AMC show, and a few other shows. So um, it's interesting to see you know, the movie director you know, doing the movie-length almost uh, first episode, and then the other episodes you know, being directed by different people who are television directors, and it's definitely a different tone and a different palette. But, I mean, still still within that kind of... It, so I find it, you know, even though it's different from the comic, it's very true to the spirit of the comic. You know what I mean? There's that desperation. There's that... The zombies are the subtext where, you know, whereas... You know, uh, the, the characters are what are, is really important. You know, I mean, you could say True Blood is just another vampire story. That's not why people watch it. People watch it because they care about the characters. Same with The Walking Dead. You know, the zombies are there, obviously, to bring in all our zombie fans. And I know I am because I'm from Pittsburgh, and this is zombie capital. Right. Say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, George Romero. Well, that's what, uh, the, the, yeah, and this show is like one of the first zombie things since 28 Days Later that's Pittsburgh Romero worthy, you know. I think. Shaun of the Dead. I'd put Shaun, Shaun of the, of the Dead. Dead, too. Yes, yes. Definitely. That 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 fit in. But, I mean, you know, um, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was one of my friends, you know, that I was talking to basically said, who hadn't read the comics, hadn't heard of the TV show, just caught it on Halloween. He said, is this going to be, you know, Dawn of the Dead, the TV series? Because if it is, I'm going to be really happy. And I said, you know, it, it basically is. It's... It's if it's true to as true to the comics as it is so far. It's it's going to be as as a matter of fact. I think you know with what you're able to show today and the level of writing. You know, there's there's some on some levels this is superior to some of Romero's movies. But of course, Romero is the one who invented the whole genre. So. You know, all, all there is is to build off that anyway, so you can never really sort of supplant him. But it's definitely better than, um, say, um, um, oh, what was what was the last of the dead movie? Survival of, of the, the dead. dead. Land of the dead. Well, there was Land of the Dead, and then there was the um, fake oh, documentary one, one. YouTube one, right? And um, then there, and then Diary, there, of, the Diary of the Diary Dead, of the and dead. then there was Thank Survival you. of the Dead, which was set on the island with two warring Irish clans. <laughs> on on a very strange, not a bad movie, but not a good movie yeah, <laughs> either. None of them are actually bad movies. They're just There's, not. There's that spark of George Romero in there, but I don't think he cares to be as realistic as, say, he was in Dawn of the Dead anymore, or even Land of the Dead. But um, sorry, carry on. Oh, that's okay. You know, um, I mean, that's that's what I love about The Walking Dead is it's set firmly in reality, as far as reality can be a reality of walking corpses. But other than the walking corpses, everything is sort of played to be real and I love that and um, right right down to not having a lot of big name stars in the in the TV show um, you know I mean so far um, the biggest name is uh, Rookers I would think would be 
the well, Absolutely. the guy from Boondock I mean, Saints. I mean, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I mean, that's an incredible movie. Yeah, uh, true. Michael Walker's been a character actor in so many films. Uh, he was the, he was the asshole dad in Mallrats. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say asshole on this show? Sure. Oh yeah, you can fucking say whatever you want, man. Sweet cock cock balls, <laughs> bitch whore. Yes. Uh, I'm not allowed to curse on Legion of Dudes either. So sweet. No, but this he is... plays the asshole down in Mallrats who gets the stink palm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, there's he's one of my favorite character actors. I love the I love the fact he was in this. Yeah, well, I I found it really funny. He there's a little bit of stink palming going on in this too. If you if you think about it, that that hand probably doesn't smell. That's too. why that's why he left the hand behind. It smelled too bad. He never get the stink out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think second would probably be the one guy who was from the Boondock Saints. Yes. But I think I think apart from that, there aren't any other actors I recognize, which I think adds to, you know, making it not more realistic, but more identifiable is that we're not thinking, oh, this is that guy from so-and-so. Right. A, Norman, Norman Reedus, the guy from Boondock Saints. And um, Je- Jeffrey DeMute, who you, you don't, I mean, who's playing... Um, Oh, um, Dale. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been in every Frank Darabont movie. He was in Shawshank Redemption. He was in The Green Mile. Uh, he was in The Mist. And uh, you see his face, you're like, oh, right, that guy. You know, but he's not, it's not a name that pops out to you. But it's well, a very, it's a very right. recognizable actor. How fortunate that he's, like, obviously an actor that Darabont likes. And, I mean, he's just perfect as Dale. He's just he Dale. Is Dale. He is Dale. <laughs> just, just as, you know. Yeah, Dale's, like, my favorite character, so. He's he's the the older, wiser, more, you know, balanced. He's <clears throat> he's like the Jiminy Cricket for for Rick. He's the guy who will always come in and sort of, you know, talk Rick down or add whatever little grain of information that Rick needs, you know, to know. And uh one one thing I'm wondering if it's going to come up in the TV show and I hope it does is there's a wonderful scene in the comic where Dale tries to tell Rick that maybe Laurie and Shane had something going, yeah. you know, and that might be an issue with Shane. And he does it very wisely, but, you know, and, and at first you think, that was one of those things where I thought, this guy's poking his nose into their business, but as time went on, it was a really smart thing for him to do, and he was completely dead on. <laughs> With his uh, assessment of that situation, so Dale's a bit of an ass with his stuff, though. Wouldn't lend <laughs> out anything. That that's yeah. That that really reminds me of people who are with their tools. Though that's how people are with their yeah. with their tools. Tools ain't especially tools ain't the cheap, last man. Thing you buy in the world. Yeah, and especially since you know he just gave them a big a big bag of tools and it got left in in the city. You know that was. Uh, and Jim, oh my God, Jim is perfect looking too, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking uh, not to. Yeah, okay, it's okay. Spoiler ahead, but yes, you y- can. You know, you know how we haven't seen um anybody get bitten by a zombie. My guess is Jim's gonna be the first. The well, first one actually, we see. Yeah, he's gonna probably be the first one we see because you know that whole dramatic scene of him going, "Oh yeah, just leave me. I want to be with my family again." Personally, I think that would be the like the powerful moment. Yes. Well, wasn't Ed not even in the comic? He was only referred to in the comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it makes sense if he were to get zombified as well. Mm. He's he's like my choice for red shirt. 
you know, when they walk well, into that's, the castle. Well, that was I my first... I think a lot of the new characters are probably red shirts. That yeah. was my first thought in episode two. It was like, ooh, here's a lot more people to eat, <laughs> you know. And and I've, I've noticed, like... Um, they're they're really it's really interesting how you know they've been saying we're going to follow the comic very closely and I think they're going to hit all the major points it looks like but they're really like they've really put a lot of thought into how they have to condense this to get all those dramatic Kirkman moments you know those intense Kirkman moments in there and get all as much of the story in as they possibly can. So yeah, right. I mean we've yet to see a zombie bite in somebody, and we've yet to see like a major character really buy it hard too. You know, really like you know just get severely wasted. So that's coming up too, and you know we're c- coming up with the whole thing with Shane and Carl too. And, well, something uh, interesting that uh, Darabont said <laughs> at New York Comic Con was um, that that Kirkman's story was the path, but they right. were going to stray stray from the path here and there, you know. And while there are scenes that are right out of the comic, like in the scene in episode three with the deer, where they find the zombie eating the deer, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that aren't. So it's cool for me because I mean, even though I know the comic story all the way to like issue sixty or whatever, um, I, I still like the show because there's so many differences. I like yeah. how they're throwing like some of the scenes, but. Um, not in chronological order, like uh, the bit where they cover themselves in the zombie goo and walk yeah. down the street. I mean, that was that was an amazing scene, tense, uh, fun to watch. Yet it wasn't necessarily following the kind of path. Well, right, because they had all those those characters and and the way it happened in the comic, it was probably on like their second or third trip into the city. You know, they were going back into the city to raid a gun shop, and you just can't do that in the TV show. You can't just have like, okay, here's day one, day two, and stuff. You have to sort of condense that. So he took, I mean, he really mixed, uh, you know, when, when, when they decide to go back to the city, you know, Rick has, he's going back to the city to get, you know, the redneck they chained up and to get the guns, and he's got to get his walkie-talkie so he could talk to Morgan. So... Oh yeah, I love that plot line. So they've just wrapped them all up in, and that's that's brilliant. That's great script writing. You know, it keeps all the major elements, and it keeps all the emotional beats and the emotional spots that you have to hit in the comic. And uh, and um, it's really strange. I sort of wish I could find any. I'll never find anybody in this world. That, that hasn't read the comics that are really more up on the, on the TV show and didn't really know anything about it to see how this stuff is, you know, because it's intense, you know, it's intense. All the intense stuff in here is still pretty intense. The scene of Rick underneath the tank was, you know, had my heart pounding, and I knew he, wa- he wasn't going to die in that scene. And uh, I knew that, knew the outcome of it, more or less. So I'm really wondering how intense this must be to just the un- completely uninitiated who are just walking headfirst into it. Especially the people who are like, ah, oh, you know, uh, I love Mad Men. Um, <laughs> you know, this is a new show. These these guys make good shows. I'll watch this. And then, you know, they're, they're, they're 
t- tearing a guy up and smearing his guts all over the, you know, that. Well, it's been doing incredibly well in the <laughs> Yeah. I think the only thing that's Somebody coming. starting coke or something? What was that noise? <laughs> I said, I said everything, anything goes on, on this show, but come on, you know, have hey, some Tony restraint. Montana, back off of that, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Anyway, uh, get back to what we were talking about. Um, um, it's doing really well. Like, it had the, one of the highest cable debuts of all time. Right? It had something like, um, was it a 4.9 share, which beat out everything that was being shown at that time except for one network show? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really unprecedented. And it's getting more ratings than uh, True Blood. It's, it's really doing really well for them. And they already. Episode 3 actually pre- went up from number 2. Yeah, which is really rare for a, a new show. Usually they're they're trying to grab on and hold on to as many viewers from episode one as they can. And it's already been greenlit for a second season, um, yep. which uh, according to uh, Irony Singleton, who we just interviewed on our podcast, uh, will be coming out around Halloween again. So, yeah, well, the, the, new, the new season's going to be start on Halloween? Oh, my next, God. Next year, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh that hurts. Oh my god. That's the one thing. It's going to be 13 like. episodes though at least. Yeah. That's yeah, that's much better. 13. It's a uh, uh, that's okay. I'm just happy it's I'm just happy it's happening. I'm I'm very ha- I it's it's strange. I think the time has finally come. And maybe that's not this isn't a good thing, but I think the the apocalyptic movie is just so so popular now and such a uh, accepted genre and now that it's finally made it onto TV I think it's just gonna it's gonna be huge and I personally think that Kirkman's writing and the, and the comics is some of the best writing going on whether you count it as you know comic writing or novel writing or script writing or however you wanna you know his the the way he's telling the story is is better than a lot of stuff. It's as compelling as, say, you know, the ad- adventure writers or the the spy novel, you know, writers who write a, a a bunch of books that are page turners. But there's just way more depth to it, you know. It's, Have you guys? Do you guys read Invincible as well? No, uh, I read some yeah. issues. It's just really odd because they're almost like identical, like total opposites in tone, and it's almost like left brain, right brain, the way they operate. You know, I mean, Invincible is colorful and like very much in the vein of the, you know, sixties and seventies Spider-Man comics, and then you have The Walking Dead, which is black and white and just very stark and very realistic, and you know, almost, um, I don't want to say caricaturish, but you know, with that almost photographic feel to the to the the panels. You know, what I yeah, mean? they kind of have the same like natural dialogue there which i really enjoy when reading that, i agree that, absolutely that's probably yeah that's probably the only thing that um the only other thing that i read i've i've like picked up and read through other stuff that kirk kirkman wrote and the only thing that i really had fun with was marvel zombies the first marvel yeah. zombies was a lot of fun but it was fun it wasn't anything that i was like this is you know, incredibly brilliantly r- written. It was just, it was just a riot to read, and it was witty, and and dark, but funny at the same time. They should but, have stopped uh, at the first one. But I, yeah, I think Walking Dead is like what he was put on Earth 
to do. That's going to be, like it or not, and lucky for him, it seems like he likes it, that's going to be what his name is married to probably for the rest of his career. You know, he's going to be the guy who 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 made The Walking Dead. You know, it'll be like uh, Matt Groening, you know, won't be the guy who did Life in Hell cartoons or Isn't, created Bongo um, the Bunny. Isn't Robert Kirkman actually writing like episode, uh, I think it's five or six or something? Four. Yeah. Oh, the next wonder, one is Kirkman yeah. written? Ooh. Yeah. I wonder why he actually picked that episode. There probably might be like a specific scene or something he wanted to do himself, like really, really desperately. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to try. You see, I always, I figured six episodes, it would almost be like the trade. I was figuring yeah, at the end of the trip. six episodes, we were going to see them coming up over the hill and seeing the prison. But they have, we basically have three episodes now. If they want to get to that, they still have to get to the, you know, the abandoned housing development. Um, well, they have to, they have to have the whole thing with Shane resolved, the housing development, uh, the farm and and then the prison. So I don't see how they're going to get all that in there. And I was interested what you guys thought about the pace of the show, like how basically it is going not not slow, that's a horrible word, but it's kind of like a bit it's going slow for a 6 issue season or yeah. episode season, but at the same time, I don't care as long as they're telling the you know, I mean, basically you know, rewatching these, I rewatched all three episodes last night and then the third one today. Um, I, I just, you know, on the third viewing, I was still, or the fourth in some cases, I was still eating it up. I was still eating up every, you know, checking out every scene, especially in the first episodes. Obviously, you know, Darabont was directing it. They spent a lot of time on the, um, it was on one of the Legion of Doom's threads on the, the forum. Someone put threw up a picture and said, "Hey, do you, th-, you know there was a uh, it was a scene where the little girl was coming at him in the, the first scene, and in the background was a car and the car's wheel, the the hubcap on it was turned. It looked just like a pentagram, and they were like, do you think they did that on purpose?' And and my first instinct was, nah, it's just a you know, just a glitch. But then as I watched the episode again I was like no everything in here is on purpose you know he really designed every single line of dialogue every object in the background everything that you see is is tied in and and fills something in um just the 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 scene where Rick is is uh walking down the hill at the very very beginning when we first see him he gets out of his car and he walks down the hill and he sort of stumbles a little and he reaches over and he grabs his side where he's hurt and this is before you know that he's that he's hurt on the side and as he walks through that you know obviously it was a refugee camp at some point you can see in each car like how everybody differently tried to make their car comfortable or you know some people had blankets dry like hanging on their window to dry out from the you know night before somebody really thought about all the debris and everything it was and i think that's where the the difference between and in the second and third episodes 
you can see that doesn't happen quite as much. That's where it gets into TV production. Yeah. It, they probably uh, didn't have enough time or... Well, well, I, I mean, probably. yeah, Darabont, I mean, Darabont, when, uh, when, when they had Darabont, they're paying Darabont more than a TV director. You know, it's all the, he's probably got his director of photography. He's got his, you know, his crew. It was probably expensive and you see that on the screen and it's a TV show. So, you know, you can afford to throw a bit of extra money into the first episode, but you're going to have to meter it out, especially if you're going to have stuff like. You know, later on, like roaming hordes of zombies in a prison and stuff, stuff that's going to cost more money. So, um, you know, ep- episode three especially is a, a good example of a definitely a low budget one. You know, a lot of it's most of it's set at the camp and and the quarry. Only one and, zombie instead of mm-hmm. the masses that we saw previously. Mm-hmm. You know, one zombie when they get in the city, you know, there's a roaming zombie in the in the store but you only see you know one zombie in the store yeah so it's uh, there you know it's that that that's you know one of that's one of the neat horrible and neat things about productions like movies and tv and and stuff like that is the the nitty-gritty budgetary you know limitations and stuff and how how it can work against and for something and if you're wise about how you manage it all it can you can pull off something like the walking dead and i i think they're going to have less trouble getting money after i think it was the woman who greenlit the walking dead and then greenlit the second season basically she she I, i'm just paraphrasing her but she basically said i i would uh sign up for 10 seasons of the walking dead right now if i could afford it so that's fine with me yeah they certainly have enough and i think you know i don't think it's exactly the reason it might feel slow paced is because they are taking liberties and diverging from you know the original issues so the whole you know the two redneck brothers you know subplot we've got going on it looks like in the Next episode, more other survivors will be encountered. Um, so they're definitely, you know, the, with them taking these different directions and doing some new things with it that aren't in those original issues is probably why some people are thinking it feels a bit slow. Yeah, and you know, I've been thinking, um, I sort of like we're just talking about all three episodes, so I'm not even going to try and work through all the episodes. And So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even talk, since you bring up uh, a Merle... Here's my my theory. I think Merle might be the governor. Oh my word! That's the same theory I had. I I, I very so I, I very think they're I very much think. Although man, I've been still holding out for Danny Trejo as the governor. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Danny oh, Trejo as the governor. I thought of so awesome. It would be so awesome. But I think they're setting up Merle to be the governor. And I I thought that him running away, then like finding another camp or something meeting new people and just setting it up and like I don't know he has the kind of governor aspect well what was the first thing you see is him shooting out and he goes I think we're gonna agree who's in charge here it's me you know and at that point I was like hey and then and then he gets his hand cut off 
And doesn't and he do he's that gonna, to Rick in the comic? And doesn't he do that to Rick in the comic? And if yeah. it happens in the TV show, it's going to have a little extra resonance to it. You know, it's like, hey, I'm one-handed. Now you're going to be one-handed too. Chop. You know, they'll there'll be a little extra. Mm. And that was what made me think that's. And the, from what they, the way they've been sort of combining things and adding things, I've, I, I really think we could see Merle be, Merle be the governor. And it would also mean that they could get their money's worth out of having M- Michael Rooker in the show too. I mean, why have my, my, why have him in there for those? You know, he's definitely going to come back. Oh yeah. Here's another thing that hasn't come back yet that where, where do you think it's going to come back is Rick's uh, hand grenade. Oh, yeah. Which he consciously that. has not told anybody about. He's not mentioned the hand grenade to anybody. And there was even a time when, when, um, when he was in the tank and Glenn asked him, what do you have? He's like, I've got a gun and this many bullets. And he didn't say I have a grenade, which would could have come in handy. You know, he could have just opened that door and tossed a grenade and cleared himself out a nice little spot there, you know. <laughs> I actually made a joke that that's how he's going to lose his hand just because of the grenade. The, the grenade, no. it's, it, it, it's, it's that, you know, I mean, there's no way that they showed us that grenade like that without it coming in hand, you know, there's, it's going to pay off sometime. You'll know, you'll know when it's going to pay off when, uh, and I learned this through watching Dexter, <laughs> is when you watch the previously on The Walking Dead and it shows the scene of Rick in the tank and gra- and he'll grab the the you know the grenade and you'll go oh they're going to use a grenade in this episode right you'll you'll have Dexter and they'll show a scene from like 2 seasons ago and it's like oh that character's coming back or otherwise you wouldn't be bringing up this storyline and uh I love it. Sunday nights are now Sunday. Sunday nights, the like the holiest night of the week is like <laughs> my night for Dexter and The Walking Dead, for just buckets and buckets of blood, guaranteed. Feel good time for everybody. Speaking of blood, how do you guys feel about the the CG blood in in this? I kind of like it. It's um, it doesn't look too fake and kind of has a, I know. A, Comicy edge to it, yeah. That kind of has an arty feel, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I've seen people pointing it out, but I mean, I didn't really like notice that. Oh, this is CG blood. I wasn't really paying attention to it. I was like, wow, you know, they're blowing people's heads. And they're... Though, there's get bullets going through people and blood spurting everywhere. And all right, and it was especially driven home, you know. With uh, that opening scene with the little girl, yeah, and, you know they had Rick Shooter. It's like okay, you know AMC isn't going to be pulling any punches. You know when this, when it gets violent like it does in the comic, they're not going to shy away from that. They're going to be true to it and make it as brutal as it is. Yeah, I don't, you know, I I I don't know if you've ever. I mean, uh, Dawn of the Dead had some kids getting shot in it, but Dawn of not the dead had zombie baby. The the remake had a zombie baby in it. Yeah. Yes, that was the big. Yeah. Lot, you know, the big line crosser in that one. Well, the, uh, the original Night of the Living Dead had the little girl who turned on her parents and killed them with a garden trowel. Yeah, yeah. and that, and and that was a, a big moment in that, too. But but that little girl, did, they didn't even shoot that little She just ended up in the zombie, you know. I think Romero even sort of draw, drew a line at, you know, 
he crossed the line at that point when she stabbed her mother to death. But uh, yeah, I love that it, that that first scene. As soon as as soon as I saw that first scene and read it in the in the script, I was like, "This is Darabont's statement of purpose." He's saying, "You know, I'm not going to pull any punches, and kids will die." You know, and uh, you know any any you know, and it hasn't really been. Um, driven home yet but it will it should be in in the future but you know but there's there will be a point when the just regular viewer of the walking dead will realize that anybody can die at any moment you know any character no matter how much you like him and that's what i think a lot of these red shirt characters are they're they're all very except for the they're they're either lovable or hateable you know they're all likable characters or they're complete pricks yeah. And uh and I kind of I kind of like that like even though you know it's the end of the world basically and everybody should just get along and work together you still got people being assholes. You still got the sur- surly surly wife beater guy. Yeah. You know, he's he's not ch- he hasn't changed yeah, one one bit and uh but like we were um, talking about earlier with Dale how he's you know like negotiating for them to let him use his bolt cutters, you know, instead of just giving them to him. Well, that's another thing is is that that started messing me up about this is you know we're at issue seventy eight of of the comics, and by now everybody who's alive is such a badass at this point is so uh, it, it, the the uh, scene with Rooker on the roof when um when he just sort of tossed Rick out of the way and um and started uh, beating on J Dog. The, the the Rick in issue seventy eight would have just chucked him off a roof off the roof. He would have put a bullet in his head right there and said, "Well, no good is going to come of this guy. Period. Ever. I'm putting a yeah. bullet in his head before I know what <laughs> is. You know. And I'm and I'm almost expecting that at first. And then I'm like, Oh no, that's right. Rick's still got a little bit of softness <laughs> in him. And you know. And and then I'm looking at all the characters and assessing them, going, Nope, not hard enough. Not hard enough. Not hard enough." food 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 and i'm wondering when that point's good there's going to be a point when a lot of these people are just gonna bite it and and you know joe average viewer is just gonna go holy shit i was just starting to like county planner lady (laughs) you just know that like probably on um episode six or something there's gonna be like the major change or a major scenario that's gonna like cause so many reactions and different type of characters and suddenly cause Rick to become that, well, badass, as you said, that he becomes later on. I can't wait till Tyrese shows up. That's one of my... Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to see how... If they if they cast Tyrese well, I can't wait for his... I'm looking forward to Michonne. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm... Uh... I, I'm wondering who they're going to cast for that. But for some reason, um, when we saw... Uh, I want to say Carol... And her daughter, we saw them in uh, episode three, I think, of the campfire. I don't know. If, I didn't see like her as uh, Tyrese's, um, well, future lover. Uh, so I don't know if Tyrese is going to be as big as a character as he is. She just didn't seem as crazy or as strong as what no, she's in the comics. No, and the she's she's more of the beaten down. She reminds me of. Um... When uh, I used to have Mormon cousins, and when I would go to Mormon church <laughs> with my 
cousins. All the ladies were like her. They had the short hair and the sort of the way she dresses and the meek, you know, subservient to the husband sort of thing that was... Uh, um, here's another thing. Is, um... Did anybody catch... It's in the first um, episode and it just goes by real fast. Is that Dale's wife? Yeah, there's there's a woman by a campfire and Dale sort of co- goes over to her and acts very like it's his wife and uh I'm I'm wondering cuz when we meet Dale in the comics his wife is gone and he's yes, already he's... got the he's already got the two Amy and uh Andrea and is you know riding riding with him. Yeah, I was going to say isn't he sleeping with one of the with um, uh, Andrea sisters, I, yeah. And uh I was I was wondering about that cuz it it looks like he's he's got his his wife with him and it's just the briefest briefest shot in the first one and then you never see see I I don't think you see her again maybe you see her in the background but she's just sort of an older like heavier lady about the same age as Dale so I'm wondering if they're going to uh maybe they're going to have Dale's wife lose his wife and they'll develop we'll get to see you know his his romance develop in the show rather than just sort of join it. Um, she could be. Uh... Wait, have we seen Alan? No, I don't think we've seen Alan at all, and I'm wondering if we even are. Because I was wondering if he was Alan's wife. Uh, well, well, that's what I was. The same type of thing. I was thinking maybe they might be doing what they might be doing is dumping Alan and his wife together with Dale. Yeah. You know, making Dale sort of a composite of Dale and Alan because Alan can, you know, the, they can still have the scene where, like, like arguably the most dramatic scene coming with Alan was when he lost his wife in the housing development. So maybe that's what they'll have Dale lose his wife in the housing development. So maybe they just didn't want two bearded guys. <laughs> that's to, possible to tell apart because that was one of the big problem that was the only problem if you want to call it a problem with the comics and the at, at first was um, distinguishing who all the characters were because there were just so many characters and nowadays there's they've been whittled, whittled down quite a bit so it's not a problem but I remember you know in the in, in the early days you would have to go to the back of the trade and you'd have a picture of everybody and what their relation was was with everybody else and i would have to check that several times sometimes you know to 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 figure out okay who is this guy again you know so i think maybe they're trying to make it a little easier on 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 everybody and and alan's character alan does some important things but he could you know he could um yeah he could he he almost has uh because does uh, Alan ends up getting one of his legs a- amputated? That's how he dies, yeah. and Rick so so it, it yeah. So it's very much like Dale. I mean, Dale ends up with a with an amputated leg, but he just he just uh, he actually makes it. So they're probably just going to combine the two. I'm thinking, you know, there's certain characters I think you can't get away with not having like Ty- Tyrese and and Michonne. I don't know. I was thinking they might um, combine Tyrese with. Uh... Um, what's his name? Morgan's story. 
Because I think Morgan's going to turn up with the camp, and maybe he becomes like the... He, he, yeah, but he does. He's not Tyrese. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I could see it. He's possibly. too soft, you know. I mean, that's. I mean, and in the further appearances of Morgan in the comics, he's, he, Morgan is the guy. He's like the opposite of Rick. He can't, he can't follow through. You know, he can keep himself alive, but he can't do. He can't bring himself to do what he's got to do. And that was uh, one of the best scenes in the pilot. Is where he's. <sighs> trying to kill his wife who's you know become a zombie and you know and her you know being stuck in this hell of being a zombie and he can't bring himself to do it that that scene every time i see it gets actually worse and worse as far as being like as just how grueling it is when you empathize with that guy and you know and and just every time i see it it just it just seems to twist the knife a little deeper. Yeah, that that is a insane. I think that's the most powerful point in the whole series so far. Probably, yeah. Uh, to to me, like emotionally, that's just. I mean, that's. Because I mean, he's got the picture up and everything. He's you know, got a picture downstairs. He's got a picture up, and now he's got. He's you know he gets back from the police station, and he's like, okay, I've got a gun with a scope. You know, I can do this, and you can tell every step he, ta- you know, even when he like puts the stock of the gun up to the edge of the chair, and and holds it there so he can get a a steady, you know, every step of the process is just tearing him apart. You know, everything he does, he knows, you know, the final step will be shooting his wife in the head, <laughs> and. uh and it doesn't get any less impactful every time I watch it. As a matter of fact, it gets it gets even more so in it. And hey, I uh, love that they're guys, throwing that I'm, stuff I'm sorry, in. I'm, I'm sorry to jump in here. Um, my wife just texted me, and I have to help her unload the car. Um, okay. So I'm going to have to say goodnight. I'm sorry. I can't be on any longer. Um, uh, thanks for having me on. And well, thanks out. for coming on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to cut it short. Uh, Walking Dead TV podcast. Um WalkingDeadTV.com, LegionOfDudes.com, and thanks for having me on, man. Nice hey, no problem, guys. man. Yeah, nice uh, meeting you. Yeah, I'm I sorry. hope to I eat at your restaurant someday. <laughs> yeah, come on by anytime. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, now that he's gone... <laughs> Let's bitch about Legion of Dudes. <laughs> I can't think of anything bad to say. Yeah, honestly. on air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, I didn't want to ask Kiss or anything, but um, who is it? Uh, Two True Freaks in the Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes, like networks. Basically, they were the two podcasts I actually started listening to. Then from there, I went on to like Avengers Assembled and uh, what was and some other one and. Yeah, basically, I've stuck with those two, so it was kind of cool having Avengers Assemble by Will Snoozy Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to The Walking Dead. Because I could just keep talking. Probably. How about the the differences between the Shane, Laurie, Rick triangle? I think it works out better in this. I like it better in the TV show. Yeah. Well, that that in 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 episode two, um, I'm a big fan of uh, the filmmaker Sam Peckinpah. 
and uh, I I don't know. Uh, have Have you guys ever seen any of his movies like Straw Dogs or um, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia? No, but I've heard of them. He's a very gritty, gritty filmmaker, and when he deals with like emotions, they're the most primal human emotions of jealousy and you know sex and violence and stuff in there and um the scene in in the second episode where shane and laurie are just like having sex like right on the ground and then he flips her over you know while rick's wedding ring is you know while she's looking at rick's wedding ring you know that's and um it kind of hits you like the opening scene of the pilot how the opening scene of the pilot was you know basically you know signifying that they weren't gonna pull back on the violent aspects of the comic and now we have this scene saying that yeah if things you know get a little more sexual than you'd find on you know network tv then yeah we're gonna go that far yeah yeah me thought it was gonna go true blood father i don't know i got a bit worried (laughs) True Bloods, True Bloods HBO. Yeah, they could go a little bit. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, they're guaranteed there'll be no nudity unless it's like a dried up, desiccated breast on a zombie lady somewhere. You know, that's oh yeah, yeah they can't go that. It's like beef jerky or something. You know, it's, that's that's about the nudity you're gonna get in, in this. But yeah, that scene was pretty much, and you know, there's a lot of hatred of Lori. Lori, Lori is a is I've a character. Huh? It's kind of like. I don't know, she does have a vibe about her that makes you want to hate her. Well, I mean, yeah, she, she's a very, uh, um, you know, you could say she's a strong woman, but at some time she's very unreasonable. But yeah. she's sort of as strong as Rick in a lot of ways, or she's very opinionated, which, you know, sort of goes with Rick. But in, in, in this, yeah, I mean, you instantly hate her because she's, you know, she and Shane are screwing around on Rick, who's the protagonist. And uh, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the beginning is is uh, is Shane dipping his French fries into Rick's ketchup when Rick isn't looking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not just his ketchup, but his ketchup on his hamburger. Oh, I didn't Mashing, even see that. <laughs> it's it's not right, you know. When you watch it, you go, you know, do, you know, I would I would never steal some ketchup off of one of my friend's burgers when they weren't looking and. And it's sort of, you know, he's going to be dipping into his ketchup later on, too. Yeah, it's a great yeah. enough. <laughs> and that's a very Sam Peckinpah sort of thing. It's that, it's that, um, oh, what was the movie where he's like, uh, and I drink your milkshake. <laughs> yeah. It's that, that, that sort of moment of just like comparing Rick's wife to a, a, a piece of meat that they're both, that they're, that he's eating, you know, it, it Everything is on a primal animal level, sort of. I didn't get that moment of where, like, Lori's character I never felt the hate for, but I did get pissed off at her in episode three because she's saying, you're not thinking of going back and, you know, and helping that guy after we've just been reunited. And then ten minutes later, she comes out of the camper and she she says right to him, Rick will take you right to him. <laughs> so she I, volunteers him ten minutes later, and then ten minutes later again, she's bitching him out for going. Yeah, I think and it's like, what do you like, want? <laughs> I think it might be a bit of like not sarcasm, but kind of she understood 
Rick was going to do it and she wanted to say it herself to show that she kind of didn't accept it. You know, I don't know. I, I got a different approach from that scene. You see, I thought that it, the, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, she's telling him to go. And then, then the second time I was watching it and it was leading up to it, I was thinking what you were thinking. Maybe she was being sarcastic, but I don't know. I think she's just given mixed signal. Maybe it's because of early stages of pregnancy <laughs> could be she could be oh, uh, really forgot about that, that. Line. Mm-hmm. that's you know that's that's due so to speak <laughs> to, to one come of my up favorite, one of my favorite more subtle moments is when uh, she and Rick are reunited and I actually thought that the scene where she and Rick were reunited was pretty touching mm. but uh, when they're in the, the tent and they're about to have sex and Rick kind of looks over at Carl you know wondering if he's gonna wake up and she's just like oh don't worry he's not gonna wake up yeah and you know why she knows he's not gonna wake yeah up. yeah exactly <laughs> that was yeah that was a wonderful line and and you know Rick's a cop nothing gets by him so I mean yeah. I mean yeah it was it, it, that's what I love about this show is they are doing what the comics do and they're communicating so much with just a little bit it just needs one line of dialogue you don't need anybody to explain what he says you know when when she said that it means she's been having sex in a tent <laughs> next to carl you know i yeah. never picked that up i took it straight as in like <laughs> she understood that i don't know he slept well or something i don't know was a deep sleeper i never even thought about that wow yeah, it's uh, because it's happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and, I, think... uh, I mean, she's crawling out of her skin in that scene. She's she's trying to figure out how much Rick knows, and she's feeling yeah. super guilty. I mean, the scene where she goes, "Do you even want your wedding ring back?" and he's like, "Of course." Yeah. You know, he has no reason not to want the re- you know he has no reason to be mad at her, and she's pretending that maybe he should be mad at her because they moved on and assumed he was dead and stuff, but, you know, he doesn't care about that. But she's, you know, I mean, we all know why she's really feeling guilty. And I Um, think it makes them looking through the pictures, like, even more impactful because, you know, when they in the first episode, it was mentioned that she took the pictures with her, you know, it was a sign that she was still alive. It was a really touching thing. But now you gotta think of Lori looking through that photo album and with her husband back. It just has to make her feel even more guilty mm-hmm. for screwing around with Shane. Mm-hmm. Plus, the last thing she ever said to him was, um, it was uh, along the lines of, I don't even want to see you again or something like that. Because uh, Rick mentioned in the car how he had a fight with his wife and she said something mean to him, and that was the last thing she ever said to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember what it is specifically, but. It was something horrible. Oh, she said something like, "Sometimes I don't even think you care about us." Yeah, and, and he was up. he was very upset that yeah. she said it in front of Carl too. Right, which is a very very Rick Rick thing because that's a that's another that, that's the thing about Rick is Rick is sort of looking at every angle of it, you know, even even from the kid's point of view, even at that even at that point, and uh, you know, in the in the storyline going on right now in the comics where they're in that town he's there's a lot of stuff that he does based on you know what's good for you know he's basing most of it on keeping the children alive he's using that as his his baseline i'm wondering if if carl you know carl and shane 
seem to be a lot closer in the TV show than they possibly were in the in the comic. So I'm wondering if uh, the whole Shane thing might work out the same as it did in the comics. You know, I don't know if uh, if the Carl in the in the in the in the TV show could actually like shoot Shane. Yeah, I think they're saying it up to make it like a lot more dramatic than it was in the comics. So like, basically, they have a fight. Maybe Shane and Rick are trying to get Carl on their side, and Carl has to make a decision or something, and he chooses his dad over, his Shane. Dad over I, Shane. I don't know, something along that type of line, just to make it even more dramatic than it actually is in the comic. Well, I love I love the line that that he has when. He's, uh, you know, telling his mom, you know, are you worried that he's not going to come back? Look at all the stuff that he's been through, and that hasn't killed him. <laughs> that that is that was a that was a great line, and that was awesome because up to that point, Carl's just been sort of a whiny little kid. That was the first, you know, and that's what the way kids are—they're whiny, they're little kids, they're goofy. But every once in a while, they'll spit out something very well thought out, and and uh, that was a nice little hint at the. At the sort of badass Carl that's that's to come too. The one thing yeah. I haven't liked in the show is how in the comics the children are like re- done in a really like I don't know childish kind of way. Like they have those moments together. Him and Carol's daughter. Yes. They, those two get on really well and have like random moments away from the violence or the tense scenes where they just talk about something. I haven't seen that yet, and I'm kind of hoping it pops up later on. Well, maybe maybe we'll get more of that in the next season when yeah. they have, you know, more more than twice as many shows to to sort of spread stuff out. Maybe they can put some more because that's a lot of the st- that's a lot of what really makes the comics good are those just little side character moments that don't necessarily aren't really super dramatic or anything they're just people living their lives but uh i mean kirkman writes those really well he you know his little kids feel like little kids talking to each other you know nobody feels like they have a writer putting words in their mouth and uh and not only do the little kids sound like they sound like you know he 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 puts different little kid personalities in them and uh that's very rare in 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 Almost any kind of writing. I want to say comic writing, but it's, you know, I mean, comic writing is proportionally bad, just like novel writing is has the same proportion of badness to it. Well, it, going along that same line about, you know, not making things feel cliched or overdone, the one, like, main gripe I've had with the show so far, because um, I think by and large, I've, great, I've really enjoyed what they've been doing with it, but... The Merle and his brother have kind of been like the one thing that's kind of dragged me down because like when we first see him you know on the roof and he's like you know being like just a very you know stereotypical like racist and he's dropping the n-word which just felt to me like just to be just have that bit of edginess added into the show um, and just and I think that there's like definitely room, uh, like on the in episode three when he's on the roof and he's like, you know, like praying to Jesus to save him, and then he's like, "Oh, screw that! I'm not praying to God," you know. 
I think there's definitely room for him and his brother to, you know, get above the cliches, but it's just something, you know, in The Walking Dead, which is, you well, know, known for having characters that are able to feel like real people, that just kind of was jarring to me. Yeah, he was he was definitely a caricature, and his brother was a toned out, was more of a real character. Yeah, but, definitely, I'd say, I'd say he's more of a real character, yeah. But I've met people that redneck before, and I'm thinking maybe he might have been a little freer with the N-word because he was in a lawless, you know, he was in a finally in a lawless state. And, and like, I, like his character didn't ring right for me in episode two. But in episode three, when he was going crazy up on the roof and he was having that whole little flashback, you know, after the yeah. second time I listened to it and I was listening to it closer, you know, it, it tells you he was in the army. He probably got kicked out of the army because he beat the hell out of his superior officer. You know, his, he did something, his superior officer called him on it and he said, come on, fight me or else if you're a pussy, you could take it up the chain of command. And the guy fight it, fought him and he beat the hell out of him, which tells me that this guy's a talented fighter. I mean, he takes J J Dog right down and beats the hell out of him. That's a and, good scene. And and Rick, yeah, and Rick gets him by coming up behind him, you know. And Rick does a great Captain Kirk there, where he gets knocked down. He does the total <laughs> Captain Kirk of like laying there and then taking the back of his hand and wiping it on his mouth and going ah, blood, and then <laughs> and then immediately getting up and kicking ass. Total Kirk, but uh. Yeah, like I said, episode three definitely hints that they can definitely develop him more than, you know, just the character that we saw in episode two. And I do hope that they do that because I because part of the I there it's kind of like there's two sides of the coin with having these oh, new characters that are. He was comic. coked up, too. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. He was. That was something I didn't pick up till the second time I watched it is is he was on. He, he uh, Rick reaches in his pocket and pulls out a little vial of something and tosses it yeah I think and, he just laughed or and then he laughs and, 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 and he goes he goes what are you gonna do arrest me and then Rick like flicks his nose and goes you got a little on your nose and that's when it's like oh he's all coked up yeah so that that was something I didn't pick up the first time so that might well you see I, I think his character in Walking Dead World in the context of the whole thing could have actually Rooker's character could have become uh, a sympathetic character if if he didn't if they didn't have him chop his hand off now yeah. he's he's set to be a villain he's set to be you know off establishing and if he runs into Rick and those guys again he's not going to be happy with him so oh, he no. he's That's not going to be I a sympathetic character his, his his bro yeah yeah his brother definitely could could still be you know could still get past his race racist you know he could still become a, a sympathetic character you know eventually Especially since his brothers you know handless going around somewhere you know it's going to be interesting to see how he you know reacts to that you know with rick being the one who chained him up there and everything well a a, a, a lesser writer in writing this would have had his character be a lot more pissed. You know, he was pissed off that his brother was there. He attacks Rick. But once, you know, once it starts developing and once it becomes 
clear that they're going to go back and get his brother and everything, he starts to become, you know, he starts to think, as soon as Rick is like, he doesn't play well with other people, you know, it wasn't something we did on the spur of the moment. You can tell, he's he knows his brother's an asshole, you know. Yeah. He could totally see how that could happen. My question is, how much time did it, you know, I mean, when they when they locked him up and they, they escaped and they went back to the camp, right, that's only a few hours at the most, right? It, it shouldn't be that long. I mean, why is he up there? Why is he, you know, I think what it's like they get back to camp, they spend the night, and then they go back in the city. Shouldn't he be pretty much fine up on that roof? He, uh, I mean, shouldn't I'm he be? To... I, I wouldn't think he'd be in. I'm not from Atlanta either. I know it is hot there. Could it but... be part of the effects of the coke still being on? Oh, him, oh yeah, it could be. Yeah, you're right. But and, um, and coupled with him just, you know, being all, you know, having those flashbacks on the roof. Well, you know, that, I, I think he's definitely going crackers up there. I, I, I attributed that to him being because he's all sunburned and, and you know, yeah. like there's crusted blood. All It, it looks it, – it, I, I, when they cut back to him, I'm like, oh, they're cutting like a week in the future, you know, oh, a week yeah. later. That's that's how I would picture somebody would be there after like maybe two or three days without water, you know. But uh, Yeah, I did get that feel. But, yeah, you're right. It must have just been like a, a day or something. And I also got the impression – that he could have, like, you can't hacksaw. Uh, uh, I've I've had this debate with people, and and had a cop straighten it out since back since the original Mad Max movie about a hacksaw and a pair of handcuffs, and basically the cop told me that there's no real, you know, that. A single hacksaw blade isn't going to cut through um, handcuffs. You know, you'd have to go through a couple blades to to actually saw through it. So it's realistic that okay, that he might have had to saw his hand off instead of the handcuffs. But some of that, what he was handcuffed to, did not look that strong. Right, I was yeah. eyeballing all that stuff, going, you know, he's kicking at this shit and it's moving, you know. With some concentrated effort, you could pro- you know, and with nothing else to do, <laughs> you, you could, could probably get, get out of that. You know, you could probably um, negotiate your way out of that. But that, you know, for the Not sake as of the story, as cutting your hand off. <laughs> right, right. That's all. You know, it's all. I mean, it's just obvious in this. TV show that nothing is ever going to be done for nothing. Nothing is ever going to be done not to, for just a random reason. So him cutting his hand off is going to have some sort of poetic resonance later on. Right. We haven't actually talked about my favorite character, uh, Glenn. Perfect. He's perfect. <laughs> I know, yeah, probably the best, I think the best, like, picked character. Like well, I, I I don't know if I can I don't know if I can distinguish whether he Dale or Rick. Well, Rick Rick only goes into third place in casting because sometimes I can, especially in the first episode, I can pick up a little bit of a British accent. Yeah, you know, yeah I can. Yeah, there. One I, got I can I can I can see him fight. You know, fight fighting his way at first into the into the. You know, Amer- American South, and and he and he does it well. He puts just a little bit of South into his voice, which is sort of how I pictured Rick 
being anyway. And you don't want it to come off like a caricature of Southern accent. Right, right. But he carries himself just like Rick, and and when you get him dressed up and in the hat with a gun slung across his back, he. But Glenn and Dale are ripped right off the page. I mean, oh, yeah. the way they're everything about them, the way they act, the way they move, their voices, their body language. It's such a smooth transition from what I pictured in my head reading those comics to the screen that it's almost it's almost insane, you know. I mean, I look at it and they're ripped right off the page of the comic and they are the characters. And I think these guys all read the comics too and sometimes they'll do th- they'll they'll like use their body language and it will look like the way the comics are drawn and framed and stuff. I love it. I love it. I mean, Shane is one of the, I think, uh, he didn't look at all like I would have picked, you know, I pictured a big homunculus football player type guy and he is a big guy, but I think the actor who plays Shane, I think he got the part. I think he does a really good job. I think he puts a, a lot, his, his character is better drawn in the TV show than it was in the comics, so... Yeah, we spent more time with Shane than we did in the comics, and we could, uh, like, have more of a feel for him as a character than I think we got in the comic. Mm-hmm. That's and that why scene... I think his death is going to be even more right. dramatic as well. Oh, yeah. Right, if because... Well, because you can see when Rick came back, he's he's shattered because he's finally got Lori. You know, you could tell he's always had a thing for Lori. He's shattered, but at the same time, he's really glad to see Rick. I mean, that that whole scene when Rick sees him and and Laurie and Carl is beautifully played. Just you know, the moment of where he doesn't really he doesn't really even register. Then he doesn't believe it. Then he believes it, but he still you know you can see like all these emotions run over his face, and then you can see Laurie give her withering look at Shane and him go oh shit I'm in the doghouse but at the same time he's just so glad to see Rick and he's really upset when Rick's gonna leave too he doesn't want to see anything bad happen so you know I mean Shane's character you can't really feel too bad for him at this point I think the us comic readers feel bad for or don't feel bad for him because we know that he's gonna go control freak crazy, but in the TV show he's he's a pretty he's a good guy and and even him telling her her that Rick was dead, you know you could sort of you I see mean why. he did it you could see why you could say you know instead of saying no oh, no he's still in a coma you know what are you gonna do you know what would what could he have done anyway could they have brought Rick in a coma with them how how <laughs> they all would have been dead you know so I mean. Her her anger at him is justified, but at the same point, I don't think, you know, she really... And when she walks away and calls him a son of a bitch, you can see just how that just cut it. You know, he goes from being upset to, like, something dark falls over him, and they even put a nice little musical cue that goes right along with this look coming over his face, and that was when I was like, this guy's a really good actor. And then and you have the uh, scene where he beats the shit out of the wife beater. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you'd, I mean, it's, it's 
cool because, okay, this guy, you know, being his wife, you can understand why he'd, you know, like, slug him, like, once or twice, you know, to get him to, you know, calm down and cut that out, but because of what just happened with Lori, the fact that he just beats him relentlessly, like, 12, 15 times, you know, drives home that, you know, just him just letting off all the steam, and it takes, like, him, like, coming out, coming off as, like, a defender, and it kind of, like, show that darkness that is in Shane now that Lori's pretty much put her foot down that she's rejected. Yeah. And, and it's really funny because, I mean, you want to see that guy get the shit beat out of him. Oh, yeah. And the first couple blows to his face, you're like, yeah, punch that guy. But when he's got him down and he's just beating him... You know, it's it's so intense, and the sound the the sound of it, it the sound on the show is really squishy and crunchy too. Yeah, and, uh, uh, I mean, every blow that's hit in his face, you're just going, okay, <laughs> enough, okay. I, you know, I hate this guy. I don't want to see anybody get beaten like that. You know, and uh, that's what I that's what I love about this show is is a lesser show, a lesser show would have made us more glad that that guy got beat up or they would have taken it just to the point of where it would have been cathartic seeing his ass get kicked and it's like yeah kick the wife beater's ass you know but to to turn it into sim- uh, ultimate you know ultimate sympathy for the guy is is awesome that's pure kirkman that's uh, the the basic ingredients that have been going in the comic from the beginning and that's that's what i want to see i'm you know, I wish I, I wish Scott was here because Scott is Scott is more of the camp of he would like to see a straight up adapt adaptation of the comic, and yeah. I'm more of the camp of like I I don't have anything against the straight up adaptation of the comic, but I like getting stuff that I've never seen before, but that's always risky because sometimes it can suck, and right. so far there's only been a few things that 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 have you know that I've that have really like kind of ups- not upset me, but you know, um, I don't like, I don't like that a zombie climbed a chain link fence in episode two. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Zombies cannot climb a chain. You know, they're okay. So, you know, all those zombies chase them. They climbed up the ladder. The zombies can't make it up the ladder. Right. It was but just they like can a cli- but- just. Yeah, there were enough of them there that if there was one that was feeling squirrely enough, you'd think he would have started up the ladder. But, I mean, if you've ever climbed a chain link fence, it takes a good deal of coordination to do that. And zombies are known for not having a good deal of coordination. So I I didn't buy that. I, I know that they wanted, that they needed to keep it propelled forward, but... Yeah, uh, uh, the zombies are more sprightly in the TV show, and I think they have to be to to up the threat of them, and also that they won't be able to use a thousand of them as much, so they have to make them a little more aggressive, maybe. I love, but the zombie makeup is is top notch. I noticed in um, oh, yeah. episode three uh, when uh, the zombies are trying to get through the door to get to um, oh, what's his name? The guy on the roof, uh, you you saw Merle. their faces. Yeah, that's his name. You saw their faces and uh, the makeup. They, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, it looks like putrescent 
flesh. It doesn't. Yeah, a lot they of zombies. Yeah, a lot of zombie movies suffer from they'll either that everybody's either super white or super blue. Blue is actually, you know, blue black. That's very more realistic. You know, Romero started the whole like in Dawn of the Dead. Let's make them some of them blue black. But yeah, that this doesn't do any you know ridiculous you know variations of you know here's a zombie nurse with you know a uh, uh, half a ladder through her head or something like that you know they just look like people who are torn up and rotting and uh and i uh, also like that they put plenty whenever there's zombies there's plenty of flies that's something that's not always portrayed but when you see when you see and hear flies instantly i think that just like touches part of your reptile brain in the back that that says stink <laughs> and you know and this this show also communicates stinkiness you know you'll see people walk into a room and go oh, you know or they're near zombies and you can tell there's distaste of the horrifying smell of rotten human which i have never had the uh, well you know what strike that <laughs> I have had the displeasure of smelling rotten human flesh once and it's Ooh. nasty and and it was only a small piece of human flesh too but we'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> you can't leave it at that you have to alright I, I, I will actually to, so that people don't take it for worse than it actually <laughs> is um, yes Yo, uh, are there like a bunch of bodies in your basement no, no, it was in my garage. It was in my garage in a plastic oh, okay. bag, though. So it's it's it's. I I won't lie, it's creepy. Um, back back at, my my father was an antique collector and also known for being quirky and and you know if somebody found something weird, you know they'd come to my father and say, "Hey, is this something you're interested in?" Well, my father was studying American Indian stuff, or he was getting interested in it, and he wanted to make a scalp. <laughs> he, you know, he wondered if he could get, you know, if there were actually scalps available and people selling scalps. And I don't know. I was in high school at the time, and my father wasn't really saying how it happened, but he ended up with a plastic bag with a human scalp in it not not a not a dried up indian scalp but a scalp with hair um that smelled like it was it, it all he would tell me was it had come from a cadaver that had outlived its usefulness and was getting disposed of and there was a medical student involved who ended up with the scalp and got it to my father and it was packed in salt to keep it from going bad. But it was pretty much, you know, and and let's just say my dad never got around or never got the proper chemicals. He never got around to properly tanning and doing what he had to do with the scalp. I think he ended up actually being completely freaked out and grossed out by it because he probably didn't think he would actually get his hands on one. And it sat out in the garage, and it was my job one day to go and dispose of it. And uh, it had been out in our garage for a summer, 
and I and I had to do it. I had to open up the bag and stick my head in to look at what it looked like, and that's when I got the the smell. The nasty, nasty, nasty. Rotten you meat is rotten, but something about it was even more. I think something in our brain is programmed to not like the smell of our own. <laughs> species rotting <laughs> more than say other species <laughs> True. not that other species are pretty I, I just don't think we like smelling our own dead and well that reminds me of a funny scene actually uh, when they're cutting up the body in the walking dead and uh, they uh, look at the uh, the ID card and read off his yes. name and everything and give information and uh, Glenn has the best line <laughs> oh wait, he's also an organ donor. Yes, that's yeah. a that's great. But hey, you know that's <laughs> I, I'm sure that was actually what uh, made them feel. You know that was probably, at that point I'd be like, oh, all right, then smear him on. <laughs> yeah, it frequently would make you feel a bit better about doing it. <laughs> I forgot about that line. That is, that is a great line. Glenn's also, got a lot of great also, lines shows the heart to Rick you know that he would take out the guy's wallet and would you know read who he used to be before they went about cutting him up plus he started lying to his well not lying but started not telling his wife stuff in that scene because he specifically says oh yeah don't tell Laurie about this that's right well Rick putting himself at risk is just like you know the, the biggest issue with him and Laurie from this point on in the story, you know, she does not like the fact that, you know, and I mean, yeah, there's there's plenty of examples in the near future where he takes off to do something and she just gets pissed. But I that's what though, because he's a policeman, so like his whole everyday life would be putting himself in danger. Yeah, suddenly, or it might actually it might not be suddenly, but she's worried about it now. I think when the world ends, your perspectives change. <laughs> well, well, also yeah, I he. Guess they do. Also, he he as a cop, he, as far as she knew, up until he showed up again, he went and got himself killed. You know, her husband. Her husband went and got himself killed. He ended up getting shot and went into a coma and died. You know, so you've got that hanging out. You know, that experience hanging over everything he does from that moment on. You know. And, and yet she went into the arms of another cop. Yeah, yeah you know, you know the end of the end of the world. Yeah, that's true. The, the the world ends. Your husband's dead. You could you could be at, at that point. You know, everybody's living their life. You know, two seconds away from potential death. You know, I mean, that's that that was another thing is I I always thought she kept that a secret from Rick. That was one of the things she probably could have come clean on like right away, you know. If 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 they they would have come clean on it like right away, Rick and Shane maybe had a little fist fight in the camp and then it would have been done, you know, cuz Rick is pragmatic above anything else. You know, he's emotional or whatever. But, you know, he bases almost everything he does on, you know, it being practical in some matter in, in some manner. And, you know, the, her infidelity does come up later on in the story. And he just says, hey, you know, I don't want to know, I, you know, 
Whatever happened, you thought I was dead? That's the past. We're living in, you know, apocalypse world, so whatever. You know, we're here. So, but at the same time, at this phase in the story, we're still dealing with people who are still in the back of their heads thinking that the military is going to come and bail them out at some point, or, you know, it's going to be over eventually, you know? And it ain't going to be over until the comics stop selling. And that's probably going to be a long time. That kind of has a lost vibe, if you ever watch Lost. The good thing, the, the, the thing I think this has over Lost, and and I'll, I'll just say this, I haven't seen Lost. I've only seen like part of one episode of it, but I've, you know, heard a lot about it is the guy from Lost from the very beginning was always saying, well, we always know where this is going. You know, we, 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 we have an end for this, you know, it's yeah. going to end and we know what's going on and it's going to lead to that end. And... In fact, it sounds like he was pretty much bullshitting about that. Oh yeah, you know. And I, they think, were like, I think they knew like what the last shot would be, but they didn't know what would precede that. How last how, shot. how how to get there or something? Yeah. yeah. Whereas Kirkman is like, I don't have an end plan for Walking Dead. I'm going to do it as long as I can possibly do it, you know. And the Walking Dead, you know, I I don't think he thinks of it as having an end. He might have a think of it as being might not continue at some point but you know i could see if the walking dead got canceled he would wrap it up you know what i mean yeah might, like have a story that has a nice like wistful end to it or something or leaves on a on, on a certain note but i don't see it ever being wrapped up or explained or you know concluded and resolved you know yeah because because it's a character focused series i don't think anybody like needs to know in great right. detail what the explanation for why there were zombies or anything like that because the zombies are there to you know provide the danger and the threat but it's at its core about the people and the interactions between people when the world essentially ends I mean um, the one problem I have with zombie films is that the endings are terrible like I've never seen a zombie film that ends on a good note, or no, not necessarily a good note, but ends well. Dead. On a satisfying uh, note, you mean? Yeah, like one that I mean, um, Dawn of the Dead, for example. If you watch after the credits, they get to the end and they all die, or they either all survive and, like, I don't know, the government comes and helps them. There's never, I don't, I don't know how you could end it, right? And make it good. Right, and I, I mean the original Dawn of the Dead just ends with them flying off in a helicopter with very little fuel and no flight plan. You know, then it basically what? it just doesn't. It, it, it no ends saying they're alive, they're still alive, and yeah. and the the remake of Dawn of the Dead doesn't even. It says ah, they're still alive, and then you hang around for the credits, and it's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, things could have gotten worse, and you know, um, I the the first three dead, you know, Night, Dawn, and Day of the Dead. All, all, and only recently have I become to where I really love Day of the Dead. But all three of those have a, a satisfying ending for me, a satisfyingly dark ending, and even Land of the Dead, to to some extent. They, Land of the Dead was almost too nice of an ending for me. It was almost too, you know, okay, they've got their super van and they're driving away and 
you see the comeuppance of the the city and 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 all that but um i i i would have liked to have had it even be a little more brutal at the end but well what about Shaun of, Shaun of the dead has a satisfying ending of course it's a comedy ending but it's yeah i guess it does that's probably the best zombie ending i've seen um, and there's still, you know, and even even though it's a comedy, there's still some pretty uh, dark stuff that happens in it. Yeah, yeah, that was a movie I was very doubtful of. I was very, even though I was hearing good reviews, I'm, I love, I, I mean, I love, I mean, I, my love of zombie movies started with me being like eight years old and traumatized by the original Night of the Living Dead, you know, the, right, just, and and following the the Romero movies, you know, I mean, there was no way in hell I was going to see Dawn in the theater when that came out. That movie was so, it might as well have been a porno movie for what everybody thought of that movie and how intense it was. And, uh, and so I set my, you know, I like a good, serious zombie movie. I hate, and and, and it was all started with a movie I love, which was Return of the Living Dead, which was the first sort of comedy. It's sort of the, you know, the 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 uncle of Shaun of the Dead, where it's funny, but it's scary at the same time. It has some horrific and gory elements to it. Um, but those are the only two zombie movies that had comedy in them that ever really fully worked for me the the other return of the living dead movies were entertaining and stuff but like i watched the first um oh of the 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 video game based ones it's up to like they just did the 3d one uh resident evil resident evil i watched the first one of that and that's uh, and when i was done with it i was like I'm going to end up watching all of them now because I've heard good things about them. But it just wasn't my kind of zombie movie. It was too cartoonish. It was too many people. And they did a lot of comics like this where people are, you know, spouting a catchphrase as they they chop off arms. You know, the sort of Ash Evil Dead aspect of it where people... Some people get that zombie movies are about people and human the evil of humans and there's other people who think zombie movies are about special effects and blood and when it's and when the filmmakers focused on the special effects and blood and the action more than they without putting in that deep you know human element of the awful things inside of humans that are brought out by it it doesn't work for me you know it doesn't have what i want in a it doesn't make me like it doesn't make me scared it doesn't make me fear for the characters it doesn't make me feel that dread of the you know of the zombies coming you know and and dawn of the dead the like the especially the original dawn of the dead and the remake you know when the zombies were outside of the door they were a threat and in a lot of movies when the zombies are outside of the door they're just waiting there to be you know um ground up with a with a lawnmower or something you know like what was that dead alive i think (laughs) was that 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 one which was a fun movie it just wasn't a a fun zombie movie even though it had that element to it it just you know it didn't work as a zombie movie to to me 
Have you guys seen, um, I don't know if, even if it was shown in uh, America, but um, the TV series Dead Set? Yes. The zombie TV series um, with uh, set in the Big Brother house. Yes, with it was written by uh, Charlie Brooker. Charlie Brooker, yeah. What did you think about that? I enjoyed the hell out of it. I um, it was, but it was it was sort of. Um. I really enjoyed it. It was dark. It it was almost um. It's more legitimate. It was more of almost a dark satire of reality shows than anything else, you know. You know, I love that it, you know, it was, it was, a, uh, it's Charlie, you know, Charlie Brooker's a cynical, um, cynical, cynical bastard. I, I, I heard of him through Screenwipe. I would watch, you know, I love watching episodes of, uh, Screenwipe, even though a lot of the times he's talking about shows I've never seen or never will see. He just <laughs> has that. And he has worked in the TV business, entertainment business, and he spells out exactly how horrible it is and how horrible the people are in it. And I think this was his chance to have all those people, like probably real people he's worked with, get killed in horrible, bloody ways, you know. And, you know, they had that whole scene with the guy in the room with the bu- with the the model girl or you know yeah. the bubble-headed girl and you know he's pissing you know he's getting ready to, does he take a shit in the garbage can yeah. or something and no in yeah. um oh yeah in some sort of can but yeah and his you know his character just being complete you know i'm 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 betting that guy's like an amalgam of like three people that charlie brooker's worked with and Perfect. it's got you know and yeah I, I i enjoyed it a lot it wasn't especially like scary, but it was very, very well written and enjoyable. I mean, that didn't have a satisfying ending. They I, all I, died at the end. It was like, oh. yeah, yeah. But that's sort of where I th- figured that was going to. Yeah. But uh, uh, actually, I, I I saw this because I saw you posting about it. I watched uh, the Horde recently. Yeah. What did you think the, about that? The French zombie movie. Well, it had the typical. It had, it had the typical downer ending, but it had a even more sort of little downer to it because it was French. The French really know how to end a movie on a down, down note. But I thought for a zombie movie, for a French, I'm hot and cold on French horror movies. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes I really hate French horror movies. I think they try to shock. They do the classic shock for the sake of shock with nothing to back it up, like Irreversible and uh, Besamois was another one that that weren't horrible movies, but you know they they just didn't ha- they they had real shocking elements to it, but nothing to justify them. So I was hoping that this wasn't going to be one of them, and it wasn't. It turned out to be at points a really fun zombie movie and you know when they had that there was a there was actually a humorous character with the the old war veteran guy yeah the old yeah he was uh, when he was on coke yes and uh, yes. beating up the zombie <laughs> yeah and uh but this but i liked it because it had the drama it had the drama of you know they were the, they're going in to rescue their cop friend and he gets off and he was dating one of the 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 women who's there to break him out and 
So you have the drug dealers that had the cop there and, you know, that they have to team up with their enemies, the cops. And this woman wants to kill the drug dealer because he just offed her boyfriend. And, you know, they have to get over all that to fight the very... And these are running aggressive zombies. These are definitely 28 Days Later style... Yeah, actually, these are even more. These are, like, really pumped up. I don't know. They seem to, to run, like, in the shadows. And then when, as soon as they get in the light, like, as soon as the camera went on them, they seem to like, kind of, like, walk a bit. Yeah. It was, it was a nice little touch, but... And, and, and it had a nice... I like that it's all pretty much set in that... In an apartment building, so it's kind of claustrophobic. And, yeah, uh, nice, um, like, what do you, like, nice little, like, corridors and stuff. So yeah, zombies oh, and going it's a condemned apartment building, too. So, yeah, all the corridors are completely, you know, beat up and spray-painted and, you know, falling apart. CGI um, blood as well, wasn't it? Lots of CGI blood. But, you see, the thing about the CGI blood is it was a little more, like, in Walking Dead, it's not as obvious. They, they put it in there, and I... I usually hate CGI blood, but The Walking Dead pulls it off because they do it subtly. They don't, you know... The the only one time that I really noticed, ooh, that's CGI blood, is when um, Daryl is pulling the arrow out of the, the zombie severed zombie head that he had just shot to to kill, and there's a, just a little bloop of, of blood that's a little too... It's a little too nice looking, you know? It's a little too perfect, and I was just like, ah, there's some CG blood. <laughs> but I right. think they're consciously dialing it back a little bit on The Walking Dead. To, so it's, um, Land of the Dead had some CG blood that I was not too happy with, but that's just because I'm not happy with George Romero doing CG. I like George Romero having real splattery things, but that's just me. Overall, for The Walking Dead good or bad oh beyond good it's amazing it's uh it's a it's it's one of those dream come true things that doesn't happen very often in fandom world you know where you get to see something you know like i just love the fact that and i wasn't even there you know i didn't pick up walking dead till issue 13 or something like that but you know it's fairly close to the beginning and it's kind of neat to see something like that that and by the time I was picking up on it, you know, that I, I picked up on it, I think, just about the time that everybody was picking up on it comic-wise, you know, at first. When the first big wave of people started hearing about it, that's when I heard about it. And it's just neat to see it go from there and get bigger and bigger <clears throat> until, you know, and I remember in the comics there was a point where Scott and I were talking about it and everybody was writing him letters was going, you should have this on HBO. You should make this into an HBO show. And I remember Scott and I would sit there going, man, if this was a weekly show on HBO, do you know how good that is? Because would be because they could, you know, they could do it. You know, they could do this story. And it's such a good story. And it needs to end. Then when it actually happened and having that, you know, you know, that anticipation of, of is it going to work is it not going to work and then having it work that just so rarely happens it's it reminds me in the 80s when i was a big bob dylan fan i was a big beatles fan and i was a big elo fan and 
not a lot of other people were fans of that kind of music in my age group then. And, uh, you know, so I had to go into the past to get their music. And then at that, and then one day I go down to the record store and there's a traveling Wilburys album and it's got some Beatles in it. It's got some members of ELO and it's got Bob Dylan in it. And it, it was as if, it was as if the music world had just said, oh, hey, here's all your favorite things that nobody else likes. And all of a sudden, they're all together, and it's really good. <laughs> and, and you know, and you, you don't exp- – I, I don't know. I'm used to not ex- – I'm used to what gets really popular, Dancing with the Stars, you know. <laughs> what, you know, that – you know, it's uh, the stuff that everybody's going nuts about is, you know – Hey, have you seen Sex in the City? That's awesome, and it's just, uh, oh, and and I'm just so happy that that now I can be in a restaurant and listen to some Joe Average person go, and then you should see it. It's zombies. I know, I know you don't like zombie stuff, but I'm telling you, blah blah blah. You know, there's there's people's mothers and grandparents watching The Walking Dead now. That's pretty cool. That's pretty. That's really cool. And, you know, I would hope that, you know, some of them would see that line saying based on the graphic novels by Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore and Charlie Adler and go out and try to track some of them down. It'll happen. It, it, it will happen because the, the, the way this stuff always evolves is is um, there's going to be, well, we're getting near to year end time to the to the wrap up of the year. So you're going to have people on on. You know, say, let's just pick something at random, like the Today Show. You're going to have the TV critic on the Today Show going, well, you know, what happened this year in TV? And they're going to go, and then out of nowhere, this zombie film, you know, and and once they start talking about it, there's only a few things to talk about. And one of the main things to talk about is that it was a a graphic novel. And what with the Comic-Cons, you know, now being popular culture, Especially like San Francisco or San Diego Comic Con, you know, is like a big media event now that crosses all sorts of lines. Hearing something's based on a graphic novel, people are getting more used to that. And I still, and this is for Scott Gardner, I still wish they'd say based on the comic book by. I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I. You know, might as well call them comic books. Start taking the stigma away from it. There shouldn't even be stigma attached in the first place, wimps. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. But you I know, that's marketing. I was at um, like a small mini zombie convention type of thing, and uh, I I went to um, they had a store there, and I went in and uh, there was just like it must have been maybe 20 or something, like, probably, like, college uh, women. They were talking about the Walking Dead TV show and stuff, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, here's some Walking Dead comic books. You should probably check it out. And I just saw them leave with bags full of, like, these trade paperbacks. I'm like, what? What? This is crazy. Everybody's into it. It's amazing. Yep, and... You know, it was just about a year ago they were doing that with the Watchmen. So you know, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. I have to imagine that they're printing extras. Um, 
I'll, I'll find out now. I haven't been to the comic shop yet. I have to get the new issue of The Walking Dead since the TV shows come out. But I'll bet you there, you have to get there on New Comic Day in order to pull it off the shelf or The Walking Dead goes fast. I don't know if the TV show is a big thing in England as it is in America because, well, for size, we didn't have it shown on Halloween, which was a major letdown. So I had to wait till the following Friday to watch it. So it didn't have the massive following. Oh, you didn't didn't cheat and uh, and uh, downloaded a few weeks earlier? I wanted to, but I thought watching on HD on a kind of a big screen would be a bit more better than seeing watching on my laptop. I don't know, I just thought it'd be kind of more exciting. Yeah, you see, I'm... the the lucky thing in my house is my roommate's got one of those uh, really powerful projectors, video projectors. So he'd been sort of eyeballing the, you know, he saw, have you ever heard of this Walking Dead show that's coming out? And I'm like, oh, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. So when it came out early, he was just like, I've got that Walking Dead show. And, you know, we went on into his room and projected it, you know, you know, seven feet by 14 feet on the wall. And, and oh, wow. It. Which was pretty nice. We, that's how we've been watching all the, all of them when they first come out. That's what I'll be doing this Monday is watching, watching the Kirkman episode. And uh, after the next three episodes, I'd like to do another show too and and wrap up. You know, do a wrap up on do a, basically the same idea as this show where we'll just merciless, mer, mercilessly spoil and. Uh, and we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to see if any if any of our predictions from this show actually came true. Well, I don't think we'll get to see if the governor prediction came true. It, it's looking very uh, not very hopeful that we're going to see the governor this season at all. He has oh. to come back this season, so I don't know. If, might, might if be he like does. A- if they Merle, bring... Merle might come back, but he might not come back in the governor role. Yeah. He is yeah, supposed we, to yeah. be the governor. If if he's going to end up as a governor, we might see Merle somewhere, you know, on his way up. You know, with maybe we'll get a scene with, of him with a small group of people, you know, where they just let it be known that this guy's still alive and out there. You know, yeah. I could see that that happening just a nice little punctuation to something and uh i'm really looking forward to you know i just look forward to so much to each episode i look forward now to see what the first scene is going to be because it's developing that whole you know doing a very that that very first intense scene so i'm i'm really interested to see what they start number four out with did you see the preview for episode four no i did not uh, it looks, it looks interesting. I, I think this is the one where we see the first person getting bitten. It's got to happen soon, because pretty. I mean, pretty soon we should be having. There's there's an attack on the camp, you know. There's, yeah, that's that's why I think this is because I mean Kirkman's writing it. Uh, from the preview, I think I got a hint of it. It just seems like everything's coming together. It seems like this would have to be the one. Well, they're like, well, they're running out of food in the city, and this one just showed up in the woods. So that's, I guess, a little foreshadowing, too. Right. 
and I and and I just have to say that them beating that zomb that zombie down, I even felt for the zombie a little bit. It was such a savage beatdown. It was just like, man, this is harsh. You know, this is really like, you know, these guys really have to work <laughs> to kill this guy. Yeah, I'm glad it, it took a lot more than like one person with a shovel just smacking zombies in the head. I'm glad it took like uh, must have been six grown men hitting the zombie repetitively well, just because so you go oh i was just gonna say that's what separates a lot of violence in movies from some movies from other movies is you know like when you see set like um um half the time people punch the hell out of other people and just keep going and then you see the movies where somebody punches someone in the face and the guy goes down and then the next thing you see is the guy grab his fist and go oh shit that's realistic, you know. That's and that's what I get more from The Walking Dead. There's more of a phys- you know, there's more of a the physical cause and effect. There realistically, you just don't even a rotted zombie, you just don't cha- you don't just you know, not until Michonne shows up with a sword do you just, you know, hack a head off a zombie or an arm or you know, the the you know in in other zombie movies sometimes the the zombies look like they're made of jelly you know they <laughs> they they're basically jelly filled skeletons that that splatter when you hit them with anything and in this movie no they they have viscera and you know they're they're they might come apart a little harder cuz they're kind of leathery you know <laughs> Predic- well prediction wise do you think that the See, the first season is going to end with Shane getting shot. Do you think that's what they're going to end on? I think I would have said before that it was going to be the prison, but that's what it looks like it's going to be. But I don't know because that's the that's the next the, the in in the storyline. The two big things that would happen would be an attack on the camp and then Shane getting shot. Those are both things that happen in the camp. And then the only, you know, then after that, it's the housing development, the farm with Herschel and all those characters, and then the prison. I just don't see, like, with Shane getting, I, I just, I just, I would have a hard time ending it there. But if you don't end it there, you would have to end it at the prison to have it have a good ending point. You couldn't have it end with them leaving the housing development or going into. Yeah, maybe you know what you know what would be a, an acceptable cliffhanger, although it would be a savage. You know, having to wait ten months, you know, nine and a half months to to resolve it is they go into the housing development and settle in and go. This is nice. We got we got this. You know, we'll go check it out in the morning. And then have the last scene of the season be where the snow falls off, and it says, "You know, do not enter. All dead inside." That that, that would, might yeah. be a good way to end it. I'm just thinking about the way, because next episode, because um, Rick and people still have to get the guns, so next episode that will probably happen. Maybe the attack on the camp, so that leaves two more episodes. Maybe the guns like lead to the shooting of Shane. So I can see that happening. Well, because they, the because when they get the they Shane can't get shot till they get those guns there. 
because they have to because when they get the guns there, that's when they start taking everybody out into a field and practicing. And that's how Carl learns to, you know, remember that Carl and Rick have a little argument over, or uh, Laurie and Rick have a little argument over whether Carl should be trained to shoot the gun. But didn't not. isn't Shane training Carl to shoot the gun? In the comic, maybe, but I don't think it's going to happen in this one. I thought there was like a line or something. Because, oh no, he was training him how to catch frogs. Sorry. Catch frogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little, di- little different, but I mean, uh, same after, principle. In, in, in the comics, they could have tech- that that you definitely could have had Shane teaching Carl, to, but now he's not even supposed to look at him or talk to him, which is kind of sucks for Carl. That's kind of mean of Lori to, you know, because obviously Carl and Shane do get along really well, and Carl looks up up to him, you know, is. And now, like, all of a sudden, he's going to be off limits. That's going to be really weird to Carl. Hopefully they address it. it, it I, I, I'm very interested to see how how far they get. Seeing as how we're at the halfway point now, and that roughly about what we've seen happen, we can see that much more happen. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see. It's... It's just it's it's just weird that that's what, um, you know, it would be so different if we were just cold watching the show, you know, and and weren't even worried about like at what point it was going to end. I I almost envy those people. I I'm I'm very curious to see what what they think and, and how they think it's going to develop and you know because. Say you're just Joe, watcher of that, you know. You your favorite, ca- you know. Who knows what they formed? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna pick Glenn and Dale and stuff like that as our favorite characters because we're looking forward to them. We've known all the stuff they've done. They show up and we're like, hey, it's Glenn and Dale. <laughs> but they're probably feeling the same way about J Dog and um, the the Hispanic guy. You know, those they're they're both very likable characters. They're right. both very like you know here's a character that you can just they're just sort of guys you know they're just sort of normal guys and you can identify with them and I have a feeling to that that to us we're like oh well <laughs> too bad about those nice guys we know what happens to them in Walking Dead whereas and and um, and they both also they, they they remind me of characters from Lost you know they, they, they have that same sort of heavy guy character <laughs> disheveled lost look to him. So I think they're there to sucker in the people who don't know what are going on are to get into their characters and identify with them and then have just terrible things happen to them. <laughs> terrible, awful, awful deaths. Su- sudden. <laughs> I mean, one of them, the, um, uh, the Mexican guy, he has a family as well. Yes, he's, he's, he's got a wife. You don't really... Her character, you just sort of see her, and he's, I think he's got two kids, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, he has two kids. There, there's, there seem to be a good amount of kids uh, wandering around, so, it, and... Uh, I haven't seen the devil twins, or whatever they're called. The Hellions. Oh, right, right. But, um, you know, they'll, you know, I mean, you, you just, uh, so, Sophia's gonna figure 
probably into the story, and so far all we've heard is her name so far, you know. Had someone just call her by name, and that's how you knew she was who she was. But, um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how they're going to do it. And, uh, I mean, I don't think, have they, have they cast Michonne and, and, um, Tiresia? I don't believe they have. I haven't heard anything. I haven't really been following. I'm kind of going for the fresh approach on the show. So am I. I don't know a lot about the... I don't. I don't know the Wikipedia aspect of yeah. it, you know, or the you know, or the ain't it cool aspect of it. I sort of stay away from that stuff. So, um, although I couldn't avoid seeing, you know, they put all the cast pictures of everybody we've seen in the comics. So that was about that was about as as much information as I was getting as that is what I was getting from the the you know the last section of advertising in the in the comic books but we're hitting about the two two hour mark so i think i'm gonna wind it up now i think we've uh pretty much uh spoiled our way (laughs) through this real purdy (laughs) and i want to thank both you guys for showing up at, at at very short notice this was just sort of something i threw together um Chris Johnson, you just showed up like right at the last minute, and uh, we're able to wedge you in here. That was awesome. And uh, I want to I want to thank Jim Deeds especially because he's all he also came in at the last minute and was just very helpful. I'm very glad that um, we got to uh, do a little crossover with the Legion of Dudes, Walking Dead um, podcasts and. And I have to. I have to have this. This podcast is. We're, we're recording. Sa- it's Saturday night, almost Sunday morning. It's we're ten minutes bef- till uh, Sunday, so I'm I'm going to be putting this episode up tomorrow at, by midnight. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I'll be editing. But as soon as I'm done editing this podcast, I'm going to get to really start digging into the the Legion of Dudes Walking Dead podcast because. I I haven't been listening to them, but I'm on the you know on the same forum as they are, and I can't resist you know when I see a a forum heading about you know the new Walking Dead show or stuff. So I've been I've been going to there to there and and listening to what people are talking about the show, and I sort of you know let my eyes glaze over when they're talking about what happened on the podcast. But I like to get involved in the conversations about the actual TV show. But now I can actually know what's going on and hear all the insanely cool interviews that they've been getting that make Scott and I so jealous. Damn them! I believe I I I, I believe they interview Kirkman at some point, don't they? Or is it Adler? Um, Dudes has interviewed Kirkman, yeah. Yeah. They have interviewed him in the past, and I think they got. Yeah. Adler fairly recently, so man, I'm uh, dying to hear that. The other Walking Dead podcast, or one of the ones in the Farm for Geeks uh, website. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but I'm, I, I will be listening to all of them. The, the, I, I think there's five of them. I don't know if all of them are all guys from the Legion of Dudes. Uh, I don't think they are. They, they all aren't. But I'll probably listen to all of them because, okay. 
Can't get me enough. Can't get me enough walking dead. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.